AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Uh, Ganesh, you have a story about some trends in uh, DDoS, is that correct? Yeah, I have a story about um, different trends in DDoS attacks. Um, basically from um, Q4 2018 until Q4 2019 last year. Uh, the reason I picked up is there are two reports from Kaspersky DDoS Protection Labs and Imperva Labs. They both independently have their reports put it out, uh, like within a week or 10 days apart. Uh, but I would like to talk about the, the key points which I observed, uh, which are, uh, I mean, good takeaways. I want to just discuss about them. Uh, first of all, I will go with the Kaspersky Labs findings. What they found is really interesting. They said uh, in the last one year of the study they did, there's increased attacks on the Sundays. The deed attack, attacks actually increased on Sundays by, yeah. I think, up to 13% from 11%. Um, typically, I mean, my experience is uh, typically Sundays are seems to be quieter days. Uh, now seems to be maybe, I think a trend is changing now. I think uh, Sunday could be somewhere Monday if you follow the sun or the maybe timeline. Probably that's why they're trying to pick up on Sundays. And another one is almost one third. Uh, one third in the sense about 30% of the attacks are happening on the weekends. That uh, my guess would be there not be many folks around to looking at if something is happening, maybe mitigating at the a certain amount of time. That could be the reason. This could be, I think, um, may not be an interesting fact, but typically during the Black Fridays, maybe Cyber Monday and Christmas holidays times, we used to see lots of attacks, mm -hmm. right, on the various merchants. Nowadays, it, it, it doesn't seem to be the case. Mm -hmm. Maybe probably the, the reason being maybe the holiday seasons are spread across multiple days. Uh -huh. So no, no day is a bad day, actually. I think any day is, a, I think, a good sales day for uh, right, yeah, merchants. No, that, that demand isn't as isolated. To yeah, yeah. People aren't only buying stuff on Cyber Monday. They're buying stuff all, all, all the days. Yeah. And uh, one more thing is they found the use of ARMS. ARMS is uh, one of the protocols used by the Apple for a remote management service. It's um, almost typical to RDP and Windows. Like it's an Apple version of remote desktop kind of thing. That's a trend we actually we talked here, uh -huh. and uh, they observed some uh, some attacks being taken care of by via that protocol. It's interesting, you know, not too long ago, you know, you, you think Apple said, "Well, we're, we don't get viruses, we don't get attacked, you know, we're safe, right?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, unfortunately, the, the the attackers are realizing, hey, you know, here's a target. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the targets may not be larger, but it could uh, cause the damage nevertheless. Whether DDoS is small or large, it doesn't really matter, but the, the damage can be done even with the smaller, you know, sustained attacks. I think they found most of Linux-based bots being part of these DDoS attacks. Okay, that's good. So that, that, that kind of confirms what we've talked about here for yeah, yeah. years, right? Yeah, especially Roboto Botnet, is, which is a re which we recently talked about, which is P2P based. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mozi is a, another latest IoT based botnet. These are being heavily used in these attacks. Any reference to IoT devices in this? With respect to Moji, the way they provide it is, I think they were using the DHT protocol, okay. which is nothing but I think uh, it's like a P2P based protocol. 
but it can be used for Bitcoin also. Okay. But uh, we all know IoT botnets are used for either DDoS or most of the times it could be for my crypto mining because they have the resources, more resources at their disposal. They can leverage that horsepower to basically mine the Bitcoins. Uh, that's that's about the, some key points about the Kaspersky Labs. Uh, Kaspersky Labs, sorry. And coming back to Imperial Labs, what they observed is um, they observed shorter and uh, most frequent attacks, DDoS attacks. I think they saw um, about 51% um, of the attacks, not more than 15 minutes. Mm. But what they observed is uh, these short burst of attacks are happening more frequently. Uh, why is that? This could be possible. Even if it's a short or longer DDoS attack, it takes some time to bring up to the speed, right? You have to reboot uh, maybe involved servers, applications. I think as soon as the systems or applications are up, uh, they're trying to hit that server again. Another for maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and they stay low. Again, when the resources are up, they're trying to attack it again. So that kind of cooperates with their finding, I think, um, uh, sometimes uh, some victims are targeted multiple times. Mm. So that's uh, one thing. Why why they're doing it uh, like shard-based interval attacks? Uh, I, I guess uh, we discussed here uh, DDoS for higher services. Uh, for what it is is basically for $5, anybody can go and buy a DDoS service. It's just a click and gig. Uh, you can pick the target and how long you want to do it. And it's like a script kiddies kind of DDoS services. I think because of the availability of uh, DDoS for higher services, the shorter duration attacks are more mm. seen frequently nowadays. And that might tie into the the days of the week trend too. If it's, uh, it's if people positive. are using DDoS for hire, yeah. you know, they're probably more likely to do that. Maybe days they're not at a regular <laughs> office. <anything>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there are so many interesting analogies we can find out, but th these are really f stood out for me while reading yeah. through the report. And uh, yeah, as I said, uh, two-thirds of the victims are attacked up to five times with these short duration attacks. I think they'll hit <coughs> for 15 minutes and they come back after maybe an hour or so again, hit for another 10, 15 minutes, and they come back again later. And I think that might refer back to the IoT situation, right? If these vulnerable IoT devices are sort of easy targets, mm -hmm. right? They're not just getting once and then hit once and then somebody responds, right? Yep. Nobody's turning that machine off or, you know, changing configurations. It's just sitting there. Sitting there, yeah. Doing its same thing and yep. it's available for the next, you know. I think uh, that's what it is here. Yeah. Um, and uh, <clears throat> most of the attacks seems to be from, I think even though I'm mentioning the geographical locations, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, the malicious attackers are sitting inside those countries. I mean, the most countries they have seen is China and Philippines. I think most likely the victim systems are right there or maybe compromised, maybe some of the IoT devices. We've seen lots of uh, various vendors actually. They, they concentrate more in Asia Pac region. They're part of most of these IoT botnets. That could may tie up with this one, why we are seeing so many, you know, attacking sources from those reasons. Um, and the most targeted uh, industries are gaming and gambling. Uh, that's given for, I think we are seeing this uh, gaming uh, DDoS attacks for a long time. It could be by the competitor, or maybe by the players itself to gain unfair advantage. You know, they, they yep. block the servers and they get the um, unfair advantage. 
And uh, coming to the heavily targeted countries seems to be Indian subcontinent. I think they saw about 22% of the organizations within India being heavily targeted. I think followed by some in uh, US and some other countries. But uh, these are the some of the um, interesting tidbits I found, you know, really interesting to share. Yeah, definitely. Well, did, did, did any of them, Ganesh, did any of them like surprise you? I mean, what's the things that most surprised you? Uh, the first thing uh, from Kaspersky is uh, most attacks happening, increased attacks on Sundays and weekends, which is not the trend. Uh, typically, it used to happen uh, during the weekdays, but now they moved on to weekends, maybe probably uh, with the intention being maybe the, it's m less chances to be detected on the weekends because of the less personnel around. Mm. And I would think it might speak more to the, the attacker, not the purpose of the attack right yeah that the people actually executing these attacks the profile might be changing over time that it's yeah. a less sophisticated user now that is required to yeah to run a ddos yeah, that's a really good point i think because of these uh, ddos for higher services maybe the specific actors happening maybe could be particular to one specific time zone so really you know even individuals and people who aren't you know protecting themselves can become part of the resources used for a botnet or potentially if you're you know in a gaming environment or you know you could be a victim of a botnet so really at all times you know be aware of how you might be impacted by uh, ddos attacks hey john now you have a story about two talk uh, which has been taken off the app stores and again they came back into the app stores could you like to elaborate a little bit on that one yeah, sure. So, so if, if you're not familiar with Tutalk, that is essentially an app that was developed, um, you, you know, pieced together some of this, there's various stories, but it was developed by a number of sometimes security experts to create a uh, secure mechanism to, you know, have communications, uh, you know, verbal and, and not so verbal okay. with, with uh, you know, and, and, and the key here was is that it's, pretty much uh, devoted to the UAE, um, United Arab Emirates, and the some of the, even some of the local uh, telephone companies, telephone, uh, the companies, the communication companies, I should say, were, were touting this as, hey, here's a great product that allows you to do free calls. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, uh, the interesting thing about this was is that back in December, the New York Times ran a story and you just think about this thing, it's, it's kind of like a TikTok. You know, TikTok is very popular, but here's one that's almost the same sounding. So we, we know that there's probably a lot of people who may have gotten confused, but there's still people who are using it for, you know, legitimate reasons. Um, but the New York Times ran this article in December and said, no, this, this app is probably one you don't want. It, uh, it is being used to spy on its users, actually capturing and listening in on conversations. Okay. And... It recommended you remove it. Does the story pro does the story prompted to remove of this app from the app store? It is. Let's, let's remove it. And so, so Google and Apple both got rid of it. Right? They they took, took this. You know, and said, "Hey, this has got to get going. You know, this has got to get gone." The the developers of the app came back and said, well, "You know, we're not we're not spying. You know, this is in fact we're developed like a." you know, by people who are in the security field. We have very, uh, you know, good vetting where, you know, we're doing the right thing. 
finally Google said, okay, we'll put it back. And they, they did it kind of silently. They didn't really do it, you know, with any big fanfare or any big news. And then just recently it disappeared again. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of suspicion that Google, you know, recognized that there, there's probably something to the story. Apple never has reinstated it. So certainly this is an app that we don't recommend, you know, for people to use until some of these questions are resolved. So the issue is with actually using the app for communications, not with downloading it and it's doing something to your device? I don't think anybody ever thought that it was, app was like doing other things to your device, like infecting it with malware or anything like that. It was more of what you were using the app for was, was being captured. Okay. So if you were doing something sensitive like business transaction or other communication. Because with the similarity in names to TikTok, you would think maybe it's one of these rogue you know, you got the wrong app, now it's downloaded, now it's going out and doing something you don't want it to do, but that's not the situation here. That, that hasn't been proven, let's put it that way. Okay. I don't think anyone's even suggested that that's the case. I, I'm just, I mean, it's always a little, like you said, Joe, it, it, it's always a little concerning to me when you have a look-alike or sound-alike app. Yeah. This, this, this doesn't sit well with me sometimes. So this is more like we're letting you do free communications on the on the uh, unwritten agreement that we're going to listen in, or cr even if it's yeah. you know I I would imagine that the the uh, the complication here is what's considered anonymous, right? They might be saying, oh, we're we're anonymizing your your traffic and we're not keeping any details, but still, you know, there are privacy concerns over you know, what can be kept and, you know, especially, um, you know, internationally what's allowed. So, you know, you could understand where a security firm could say, oh, no, this is fine. We're anonymizing, we're encrypting, but we have to collect metrics, right? Sometimes we can say, oh, yeah. we need metrics or we're just collecting yeah, your, yeah, your source and your destination. But still, you know, to a certain st set of standards, that still breaks privacy concerns, so. A lot of that happens. Location data is one that a lot of apps want, whether, you know, it's, it's a, a, you know, a, a just kind of an innocuous app. Everybody wants a not, you know, location because that's things that they can use to deliver ads to you. Mm -hmm. So there's, that's one of the things that we see as a privacy concern a lot. But, but I, I think the, 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 the real issue here can be as well is that even though this app is off of the Apple Store and off of the Google Play Store, if it's on your device, you can still use it. Right. It's, it's, it's not blocked, at least not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, Google has some tools that can block it. But I was going to say, that is something they can do, right? Can't they remove they, apps? They can't remove them, but they, what they, they, have a, they have a product called Verify Apps that runs on an Android phone. And what Verify will prevent it from executing if it thinks it's malicious. There, no, nobody can remove an app but you. Apple can't either? No, Apple cannot either. So, yeah, so that's, that's, that's not something that anybody can do. Um, some, some of the, like, the managed services might be able to do it, depending on the product you're using, but, but Google and, and, and Apple do not. They don't have a mechanism that does that. But they can't stop them from running. <laughs> that, you know, that's maybe a semantics, I guess, in some way. But the, the challenge here is, like, you can still use the app, and, you know, and people may not realize that this app is not so good, and not realize it's not on the Play Store or not on the iTunes Store, you know, because they, they could technically still use it. And it's just not, you know, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you get some of these apps like we were talking earlier that look alikes, the sound alikes, the, 
the um, you know even the even the more even bigger ones. You think okay, if you still have it on your phone, I have a, I have an Apple a couple of Apple apps that I know I've installed on my phone that haven't been supported. You know, haven't had any updates in years and years and years, and it always worries me that. Uh, you know, is that causing me a, a security issue, you know, as a security professional? So I, it's just things to think about is that, you know, any apps you have, make sure that they're legitimate, <laughs> you know, that they're still, they're still supported and still out there. So, John, you mentioned that this sort of happened without a lot of fanfare, right? They just sort of did it. And do you think it's the type of thing that more will come out about or it's just going to be sort of dormant? And I'm wondering if, if we'll ever kind of get the, the backstory here. Yeah, I've been. I got a, a couple of buddies. I've been asking around just to see if anybody knows anything more. And, and I and, and honestly, I haven't really gotten anybody who has any leads on why it disappeared again out of the Google Play Store. You know, typically that happens. Like if somebody like uh, Kaspersky or Imperva or, or any of the other vendors that we've talked about in this program before, you know, they publish a story. Look out! I mean, I, I don't, I'm not trying to focus in on any vendor, but it's just those vendors that that publish, hey, this, this issue has, you know, this app has a problem. Right. It, it, they tend to get reported to Google, they tend to get reported to Apple, and then they're gone. Depending on who that reporter or what that report has from a publication perspective, it may receive a lot of fanfare or not. Uh, Google, I know Google, for example, removes a lot of apps all the time just because they're maybe violated terms of service, and, and there's nothing that ever gets said about it. Well, because Google does less up front, right? Doesn't Apple do a lot more screening up front before they'll let something into the store? <laughs> there, there's maybe some politics there, but it's, it, it, you know, and, and, you know, from one side of the fence or the other. But I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, Apple has a lot more stringent rules on who can put things on the, on the uh, iTunes store. So a lot of times those things get researched a little bit heavier. Google has, a, you know, allows more things. But they, I think, in some ways that they scan the code a little bit more thoroughly. So, so it's it's maybe a trade-off so that things may get out there and then get removed from Google Play, whereas it may not, you know, similar things may never have gone onto iTunes. And so there's there's a, there's a little bit of a trade-off sometimes where things that might go, you know, from from a, a publication perspective, you know, which is a better strategy. Um, but, you know, Google certainly does allow more things to go on the Play Store, and I don't know if that's because more people develop for Android or it's just they have a more lenient status. Got it. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Um, we'll have to see if we if it just ever we ever find out what's really going on here. Yeah, and maybe it's a follow-up. Maybe it's a follow-up we can do some other time on the program because I, I'm curious, too. It, it's, you know, it's certainly haven't seen anything from the developer. The last time they removed, the developer was very vocal about, please put us back on. We're not, you know, we're not malicious. There's been no word that I've seen. But the users have the ability to restrict the access to location services. I think that's the only advice at this they, point. They, they can control that, yeah. You can do a lot of controls, but most people just accept the default, whatever the app asks for. I mean, I think if you're going to do that, you'd probably uninstall it. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> giving proper permissions, maybe restrictive permissions in the location services, as well as sometimes most of the apps, even though they don't require, they ask for all the permissions to the other apps, like for example, camera, mic, location services. Joe, I understand that there is a, a new transformation or a new discovery on Emotet malware. 
Yeah, so this was interesting. What I, I always key into uh, malware strands that have their own logo. So when I saw this story on the Hacker News, and they they crumb up with its own logo, so that usually means there's something to this one. So, yeah, Imhotet, um, the the Trojan. You know, typically this has been a banking Trojan, but the the latest trend here is using Imhotet to spread via Wi-Fi. So they're calling it the Imhotet Wi-Fi spreader. So basically, um, Imhotet installs malware and then using the Wi-Fi connection it scans for any connectable Wi-Fi connections and then find and then brute forces you know it runs there's two internal lists it uses to brute force the Wi-Fi unprotected Wi-Fi and then once it gets onto an unprotected Wi-Fi it then brute forces again for share. So it's really almost a two-layer wormable spread of malware. Um, pretty, you know, pretty advanced, um, something I, I personally haven't seen before. And, you know, just the, the you know, we, I think we've been talking to folks about protect your Wi-Fi connection, um, but this is a, a real tangible example of why you should do stuff like that, right? You know, this is a strand of malware that is actually, you know, looking for open Wi-Fi connections, looking for unsecured, you know, default password, all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, it's anything that's exposed over your Wi-Fi, that's again, unprotected, using default passwords, using known passwords, even uh, passwords from, a, uh, you know, that maybe have, were, were lost in a breach somewhere along the line. And then I also think it's really interesting that, um, you know, it's Zemotet, right? This is a banking Trojan. I think you sort of see the evolution of some of this malware, right? Um, <clears throat> I think the story calls it the, the Swiss Army knife of malware, right? Because, you know, it was uh, initially used as for uh, banking Trojan. Uh, and now in this case, it's a downloader. It's uh, mining for information. It's It's been used as a spam bot. Um, you know, depending on how you deploy this malware, yeah. it can do, you know, a host of different things. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like when... Didn't I see it can do ransomware now too, that they can lock them yep. in? Yep. It was used uh, for email ransomware and uh, it installed TrickBot. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it reminds me too of when we, you know, sometimes the, the malware gets open sourced and somebody yeah. thinks that's a good idea. <laughs> and then, you know, this is the same kind of thing. Emotet, it's been out there and, you know, once in the wrong hands, it's, there's uh, dozens of, of malicious uses for, for malware. So, um, you know, this is really interesting. I think uh, it's, it's kind of that wormable, you know, malware. It's, it's command and control. It's, it's, um, it's something that I think we got to be aware of. So, um, you know. Yeah. Emotet is basically, as you said, it's evolutionary. We have been seeing it almost every week or 10 days. It comes up with new tactics. For example, uh, like um, John said, uh, ransomware, it also does mining, it also does trickbot, as well as uh, delivering your sniff, lots of things. Uh, I think uh, even it was part of uh, recently with um, exploiting some of the NAS devices, like uh, mini routers, okay. IoT kind of devices. And uh, this Wi-Fi spreader is a real, I think, uh, it's taking to the next level. Yep. 
And uh, it seems, uh, I read a little bit, it seems the module is present in uh, like uh, almost a year ago, but it's it's been so infrequently used, nobody could able to identify it until this time by these researchers. Right. And um, you said basically it, it is doing the brute forcing to right. find out the weak, weak passwords, and then again using like propagating it so um, loaders to other machines in the network, right? Right, yep. Okay. Yeah, and you know, basically the steps here to guard yourself are, mm -hmm. you know, strong passwords, not reusing yeah. passwords, uh, using encryption on your Wi-Fi mm -hmm. connection, um, changing these things regularly. Uh, you know, that that's sort of the hygiene we always talk about, but I do like that occasionally we can show you why to do stuff like this, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, I was, I just set up a new, um, at my home here, I just set up a new uh, Wi-Fi network, and, you know, they always ask you, do you want to run a guest network? And I'm thinking, do I really want an open Wi-Fi? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And also, you mentioned about it also targets the shares, right? Open shares. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's, that's kind of that second layer. So second once layer. it gets out on the exposed uh, Wi-Fi connections, then it's looking for any shares connected to those those Wi-Fi bridges. So, um, so at the, at the time, it's basically behaving like a regular network worm. Yeah, it's right, yeah. like a command and control network yeah. and kind of, hmm. you know, recruitment that whole that whole chain that we go through with botnets. It's basically running that, although although distributed and running a tree structure off of. Okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. off of Wi-Fi's, wow. Wi-Fi connections. Uh, the, the story actually has a pretty good diagram of how it kind of, you know, trees out from, you know, Wi-Fi connections to shares and uh -huh. runs down a list of what's exposed, so it's... And then eventually leads out to the CTOs. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Wow. So, pretty, pretty extensive network of distribution for Emotet. And it's something to be watched for... Definitely, yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. We talk about, you know, strong passwords and securing your network and keep your network safe and all our buzzwords, but this is a case where you can see, right, having an insecure Wi-Fi setup with no password or a default password, this is exactly the type of malware that's going to get you if you don't do that stuff. Hey Joe, I have internet weather for uh, this week, last week ending uh, until yesterday. Uh, this slide we have a uh, top 10 most probed ports, but scan volume, volume. Um, here I'm, list I'm listing uh, three, three specific ports, even though I do not I, I don't want to talk about in 23, 1, 14, 33, which are uh, number one and number two. Uh, the reason is uh, I'll be talking about them um, with the top sources. Okay. Okay. Uh, the first step would be, I would be going with the number 8, 81 TCP. We jumped about four places from last year, uh, last week, to, to this week by four point, four, four positions. And then I, I follow up with 8545, which I always talk about, and 3389. And let's roll with the... Ah. Probes on 81 TCP. What's 80, 81 TCP? It's typically one of the HTTP ports. Yeah, it's like an alternate. Um, not necessarily. Yeah, you could say alternate, but uh, it's in combination of 80, 80, 80, 81. Right. This yep. is most likely used. Uh, but this is also most popularly used by one of the IoT botnet, Satori Desan. Okay. 
uh, in that case this uh, specific version of uh, Satori botnet uh, it targeted on uh, port 81 to find for the vulnerable devices uh, that's why I put the, uh, that uh, Satori design here uh, while looking back the past 365 days um, I think uh, there was a little uh, about last quarter around last quarter last last year uh, from October to December May uh, time frame and later in January it's kind of picking up uh, but if you compare in uh, past 90 days I think uh, the increase levels are there but uh, not really significant uh, but let's see how the scan sources are looking on this one okay. uh, which uh, actually hmm shows on the scan sips. Uh, what this is showing is a number of unique sources scanning on this specific port. Uh, for example, as you see in the last few days, like a two, three days over the weekend, um, it, there was a big spike in the number of scanners scanning mm -hmm. on this port. That definitely talks about, I think, some sort of new botnet or something, yeah. you know, looking for... Uh, Creating that increment, right? Uh, that increment. If you see about, I think, um, about a thousand, I think uh, 20,000, it's almost double the size of the uh, scanners we are seeing in the past 365 days. So uh, I try to capture the GIP distribution of uh, these scanners, how it looks. I think if you look here, uh, we have about, uh, I think uh, the report I picked up has uh, about 17,000 scanners. Uh, as you can see, it's heavily distributed, uh, uh, distributed in uh, American regions, Africa, and, and a little bit of Asia Pac, some Australian regions. Um, uh, also, the top scanners, I think when I'm looking at the top scanners, like the top 10, most of them seems to be internet scanners. I think uh, they typically do the scanning across the, across the internet looking for uh, various ports. And they were also in, in this one, but also there are also other other scanners included in it. I think definitely looking for uh, some renewed, new, or maybe existing botnet with some new vulnerability on this specific port. Uh, we'll be watching this, and uh, most likely we'll have some updates uh, with any new information. And what is this one? 8545, we all know it's Ethereum port. Uh, we have been talking about this one. Uh, I think um, there's a little bit of spike, but even then that spike actually kicked up in the volumetrics. That's what's showing up our, in our uh, top 10 reports. Uh, the big spike we have seen is uh, just a little bit before, I think, uh, start of December. And I think again in the last few days, uh, they're kind of creeping up to the same levels. Um, but number of, um, number of scanners on this one, if you see it, I think most of the time it's happening on irregular intervals of time. I think uh, every seven or eight days there was a big spike. Uh, I guess a couple of scanners are coming in and they're scanning it, they're going away. Uh, for example, we know some internet scanning companies, uh, they have a set of IPs, maybe 20, 30, 40, whatever the number. They all come at some time, they do the scanning and then go away. That is the trend we are seeing with those big spikes. But overall, if you see, I think in the past few weeks, there's a slowly little bit increase in the number of scanning happening on this uh, particular port. Cool. Uh, obviously, you know, Ethereum and any Bitcoins or any mining right. are interesting. Some sort of scripted mining kind I, of I operation? I think so. I think so. Maybe at the irregular intervals, those scanners are coming and seeing how many are still available. Got it. And. Uh, 
as you can see, compared to previous wow. UIP map, it's a uh, it's very light. I think there are only 400 IP addresses, but uh, they seems to be highly concentrated in uh, our U.S. region. And so a lot more volume from fewer sources in this case, right? Yeah, and in this case, uh, the dots represent the heat map, right? Uh, but uh, for example, the heat uh, the dots in uh, U.S. region they are coming from uh, scanners. They're well-known internet scanners. Okay. And also the same case with a couple of uh, scanners in Asia-Pac region also. Yeah, it's, it's the chart like this, it's, it's more what you don't see, right? It's not, it's not that the locations are, you know, are telling the story, but where, just how, how few there are and, you know, it's... it's oh, I, I think in this case the way to represent is, I think, uh, uh, when you look at the heat map bar here, I uh -huh. think red to yellow, I think more yellower, I think more uh, right. uh, more uh, sources in this case are included in that one. Cool. Uh, I think you are right. I think even the dot is comprised of many, many more yeah. sources. Cool. Uh, and the third one is RDP, which is uh, 3389, which is typically used for RDP. As you can see, there's not much uh, changes at all. I think it seems to be consistent, mm -hmm. but the scanning is happening always constantly. That scanning is happening at the same levels. Uh, and only big scan is again, how many scan sources we are seeing at that point. I think it is also pretty much staying at the same levels, not, not much deviation, uh, but I put it there for the representation purposes, how we are comparing with the other top two ports we are seeing here. Yeah, I think we've talked in the previous shows I've been on about how a lot of these sort of core services, mm -hmm. you know, RDP, VPN, SSH, they're, they're really all being just bombarded with scan traffic that, you know, initially mm -hmm. it was 23 and 22, but really now it's it's all these core services where we thought, mm -hmm. you know, the 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 attacks might get more sophisticated and you know it's, it's it's i think we're seeing more and more of these core services are really being put to the test you know yeah. so that, i think that's interesting yeah i have uh, one comment about that maybe once i go through the sources i'll okay. tell maybe you agree or disagree we'll see okay um this is again sources i mean they're not many uh, last month also I, I did a little bit on 3389 as you said rdp is always there yeah uh, I was just comparing uh, my notes to how many s sources are there at the time here. It's almost there. I think at the time I had like uh, 1,600 plus uh, sources. Now we have about 1,700. Okay. So they're pretty much like a 2030 yeah. sources here and there. So and that exactly the point you're. Yeah, talking. that this is really you know there's it's just a it's a always on full out. Mm -hmm. battle for these core services that you know any vulnerability any you know misconfiguration yeah. or anything that's not patched or you know there there's no escaping the internet scanners mm -hmm. the you know the the recruitment it's it's constant so yeah. interesting yeah, I mean, in, in the RDP case, probably that's one of the first ones they get in there. They look for the right. shares, like you said, with your story. Yeah. Here we have uh, top 10 uh, sources probing here. Uh, again, uh, much not much different from the previous week. The top one is 445, which is the SMB. Number two is uh, 23, which is Telnet, and followed by 22, which is SSH at uh, number four. 
1433 is MS SQL. But I would like to concentrate on uh, 23 and 1433 uh, because they jumped up uh, from previous week like significantly compared to others. Uh, the first one would be 1433, uh, which is uh, Microsoft SQL Server Pro. And we all know this has been a prime target for weak passwords for a long, long, long time. Uh, this is again last 365 days worth of graph. As you can see, there was a sustained increase in um, activity or volume on this port since I think October time frame, and kind of it's continued. Uh, but I think at the end of January, it kind of tapered off a little bit, but not, not as much as uh, as we've seen in the in the previous in the beginning of the last year or so. But again, uh, since a few week, a few days, it's kind of picking up to the same levels as a couple of days. So, about uh, in other reports, on an average, we are seeing about fourteen to fifteen thousand scanners on every, wow. every time, which are basically looking for these uh, vulnerable fourteen thirty three port devices. Uh, this is pretty much actually almost spread across the entire globe. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is uh, 23, which we know Telnet, uh, which is uh, prevalent on almost on all the servers and ports. Um, I think it needs to be, at this point, it needs to be closed up, but still, I think we are seeing those. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of time, it's IoT devices, right? It's uh, IoT devices, exactly. I think but Telnet is open. I mean, uh, most of the users doesn't have uh, the know-how to how to basically block it or maybe switch back 22, right. which is the secured version of uh, 23. And again, the distribution of this wow, one. it's everywhere. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, almost 50,000 uh, IP. Yeah. It took a while basically to generate this uh, yeah. graph. But as you can see, almost pretty much everything in US, African, and... Um, I mean, that pretty much just m mimics where the network is, right? Network is. Uh, I, I, I guess um, if we can correlate this one with the other uh, 1433, there will be subset of IPs, I think, already residing mm -hmm. in this graph. Yeah. Um, the only comment I want to do is, like you said, the sp some ports like 22, SSH, 23, Telnet, 445, 1433, and 3389, uh, these are all the very, very fond ports for most of the threat yeah. ports, like APTs. I think uh, these are the one of the first few ports, like I said, they will target, yeah. uh, look for the vulnerable victims, and they try to basically propagate inside. Yeah, I agree. Yep, I, like I said, I think these core services, they're not trendy, they're not flashy, but they're just under constant attack. Mm -hmm. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.